Ryan and Nick tonight. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey app. The last night of the NBA's pre-All-Star festivities. And then we'll have the All-Star weekend, Ryan. And then post-All-Star NBA continues. We got Caitlin Clark trying to chase history. Why would I even say trying? Let's be honest. It's If there is one guarantee tonight out of anything, we say this a lot, right? There are no locks in sports. There are no locks in sports betting. There is one lock tonight that Caitlin Clark, barring any injury, we don't want that, will score more than eight points tonight for Iowa and be the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball history. Yeah, it's too bad we're not getting like an odds boost on that tonight, right? Like just yeah. even money, yes. Caitlin Clark, just to break the record. I would take like a free $100, $200. Uh, the game's on Peacock. Mm -hmm. I actually have that on the bottom screen. Pretty jacked for that tonight. Uh, I got one college basketball bet. Nick, I don't know about you. Usually, like, unless I like a really ugly dog, which I just couldn't do it with Portland tonight, man. Um, and I actually kind of like Milwaukee, too. I, I, I try to stay away from the NBA tonight, right before the All-Star game. I just, yep. I don't know I who's do. motivated. Because, you know what I mean? It's like the show before mm -hmm. vacation. Except for we're actually both off tomorrow, and I'm still ready to drop the hammer and bring it tonight. Yes, but, you uh, are. Yes, you are. But I gotta see. Be, we don't. We Ryan, you and I never mail it in before any vacations. We don't mail it in. Period. You know that. No, no, never. But I do take it a little easy in the NBA. I got one college, one NBA, and I'm really excited to see that game. Uh, as Scott puts in the chat right here, Iowa a big favorite tonight, 18 and a half. I should uh text my guy and see what he likes tonight in that game. I didn't get any uh, messages today, so no play in that one. But like I said, I wish we could bet some props because I have a feeling she's going to have a big, big game as the total is 154 and a half. I bet you she goes off. If if I set the uh, number at 36 and a half, would you bet the under tonight? I think I would take the under, but like I would be nervous too. It just has this feeling of like get out there, get it done early, and then just keep rolling the west rest of the way. But once you get past that milestone, then it's kind of business as usual. You know, we see this all yeah. the time where everybody does the big celebration. It's a huge deal. It's like when LeBron passed Kareem and there's all of this fanfare and Kareem's out there. And then it's back to playing a basketball game again. And then he kind of cooled off, if you remember. So I'm curious to see yeah. if the adrenaline has anything to do with it. You know, you get out there, maybe miss some shots early. Is she forcing anything? I, I, all I know is this. It is an absolute lock that this is happening tonight. And... That's the only lock that I think we've ever talked about on this show and probably the only lock that we will ever talk about again. That and uh, also Victor Webinyama going number one overall. The unfortunate thing, though, was uh, we, yeah, didn't have yeah. the, we, didn't, we didn't have the bags of money to bet that, to make any sort of profit. But, yeah, that, that right. was the only other lock, I would say, in show history. Yeah, so that's, that's about every, every – well, we've had you know, a couple here now, and then I think it's going to take a few years before we get anything again. All right, you mentioned uh, you got a couple that you actually have that you do want to – is there any actually that you're good enough with giving out tonight because it's a light slate with a lot of things? I'm with you on the NBA. I'll tell you this right now. I thought for a little bit about fading the Bucks at that big number, and then I said, no way, the Grizzlies are terrible. And then I thought, well, Bucks because the Grizzlies are terrible. And then I said, but what if Giannis only plays three quarters? What if they're up big and then there's a backdoor cover? And then that's the type of logic that went through my head leading up to the last night before we actually get to the All-Star break. And I said, you know what, man? I went one and three last night. It wasn't a great night for me. I'm just going to do this. I'll admit it. I decided on nothing. Now, I did talk to you before the show. We got a couple of All-Star bets that we, uh, we do like, especially when it comes to All-Star game MVP. But as for tonight, I'm putting two middle fingers to the entire schedule 
And then I'm going to do this. Technically, I can put the middle fingers up on the cameras here on Twitch and YouTube. It doesn't really matter. Scott, would I get in yeah. trouble? Put it in the chat. Can I do that? Am I going to get yelled at? No, I can't do that. Okay. They got to blur it out. Yeah. That's what I'm doing, Ryan. Yeah. I, they, you know, like, like, no, Eli did it on ESPN. It's fine. Don't do it. Fine, Scott. I won't. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm with yeah. you, man. It's, it's that, that feeling right before any sort of break vacation. And now, remember, the NBA has an extended all-star break. So players... Even after the All-Star game, they don't get back and start. The schedule doesn't start back up until next Thursday. So next week can be real quiet, too. Yeah. Well, the Chicago return, which also shout out to uh, Chicago, the uh, greatest city on the planet. Caitlin Clark, (laughs) 35 and a half is her point total tonight. And uh, I actually found it. So we will be playing the over on Caitlin Clark. We'll be watching that game on Peacock. Again, the total in the game. Thanks to Scott, 154 and a half. I got one in the NBA that I kind of like, right? I said, I don't know who's motivating mm. tonight. That's why I'm staying away from the Bucks. If I was going to bet a favorite tonight, I would go Bucks, uh, but they're 11 and a half point favorites. And I just, I don't want to touch that number right before the break. And then I'd probably bet yep. the Blazers. I actually, I'm not going to lie. This is what I love about BetMGM and uh, not my bookie, right? Is if I send over a text message and I'm like, Blazers, eight and a half, right? I can't be like, yo, Joe, uh, by the way, just kidding. I have to take that number or I have to double up, pay the VIG and go against it. I cashed out though earlier because I was like, I don't want to bet the Blazers, man. So I did bet one in college and then I bet uh, Jaron Jackson. I found his PRA tonight, 30 and a half. It's pretty juicy, minus 125 right now. But he's had at least 31. I went back and looked points, assists and rebounds in five of his last six games. Obviously like a tougher matchup going against the Bucks, who are playing better defense since Doc's taken over. But I still like this, man. I don't know. How many minutes is Giannis going to play tonight? Like, how many minutes are their bigs going to play? And Jaron Jackson has been motivated because the Grizzlies don't really have anybody else. He's always playing for more money. And, uh, you know, that team's going to look probably a little bit different next year, even when Jod does come back. College hoops. um, This one I might be off on, man, but I just continue to, to bet against Memphis, right? Like, after January, they lost four straight. Then they won three straight. But they just really haven't looked impressive. And I like this North Texas team. And I think there's a reason why they're favored tonight. Uh, Open is like a pick. They're at one and a half right now. One and a half point favorites. North Texas shoots a ton of threes. And Memphis, they give up like the most three-point attempts in the country. And opponents shoot 34% against them. They got three guys that are shooting at least 35 to 40% from three. So I'm going to play North Texas uh, pretty big, actually. And then I'm going to play Jaron Jackson really small in the NBA. And that's it for tonight. Yeah, I, I think it's best. Listen, right? We try to, we don't just bet anything. You want to bet stuff and be smart about it. And there yeah. are times where you just got to say the human element comes in, right? Sometimes there's narrative bets. Sometimes there's the hum, human element that makes you stay away from a bet. And tonight in the NBA is just that. But the good thing is uh, yeah. we're going to have that second half of the season where things are going to matter a lot more to these guys, a lot more to teams, right? Because it's not really a second half. It's not 41 games. So we're, we're much past that at this point. I mean, we're well over 50 games played by these teams. So you're going to get to the point where playoff positioning matters more. The playoff picture matters more. And it's yeah. going to feel maybe not the way the play-in tournament games felt, which we loved, right? Like you watched it and went, oh, these guys actually do care at least to a point. There's, there's going to be that competitive nature that's out there again. I will say this. I am going to give you two targets for players in the second half in the props market that I think you should really keep an eye on. And you're going to laugh, Ryan. Because it's a team that we say to never bet on. But I was on DC Sports Radio again today uh, with my friends Grant and Danny. And uh, they wanted to know a lot about Denny Avdia. Denny Avdia over his last five games. And this is five games. The number's even better over his last four. Dude put up 43-15 and 15 last night for the Wizards. Okay? He is going to be 
given the green light this the rest of the season. They want all their young guys to just get shots and minutes and see where things are going to go. Denny Avdia is averaging 24 and 11 over his last five. And Marvin Bagley is a double-double machine for the Wizards, now getting even more minutes with Daniel Gafford out. So those are two players to just keep an eye on. Look at the numbers. Look where they are. See if how long. I mean, listen, the books are starting to catch up with that a little bit, but it's only a few games for Denny Avdia. Look at that in the second half as two role players, which are some of the best to target in the props market because not as many people are betting them. They're not paying attention to what their numbers are. Denny Avdia is going to get the green light for this team the rest of the way. Look at his numbers game by game, but he's somebody, along with Marvin Bagley, two Wizards, no one's paying attention to that nine-win team. It's a great opportunity there in the second half of the season. Yeah, I like that look, man. You know, guys that are going to be chucking, guys that are going to have the volume for bad teams the second half of the season, and that you know are going to be out there, that you know, want to be around, want to get that second contract. Also, dude, um, probably should update the people, Jaron Jackson. Now I only have one bet. <laughs> He's out tonight. Like, along with the rest <laughs> of listen, Dude, listen to this. Desmond Bain out. Uh, Brandon Clark out, yep. obviously. Jaron Jackson out. Luke Kennard out. Um, Scotty Pippen Jr. somehow is out. Derek Rose out. Marcus Smart out. You know, the Grizzlies, yep. you got Goodwin, Zion Williams, Man, Gigi Jackson is starting at the four tonight. Yeah, so oh, uh, turns out I only have North Texas tonight, and uh, that's it in college hoops. But uh, hey, I got Jalen Brown in the dunk contest. If anybody wants to get weird, five to one. That explains why the total just moved, and the Bucks are thirteen and a half point favorites now. Moved from eleven to thirteen and a half not too long ago. So there you go. Another reason why you just you just stay away. Stay away from the NBA right before the All-Star break. As Scott put in the chat here, one, two, three, Indianapolis. It's not one, two, three, Cancun, but it's pretty, pretty damn close. Uh, Adam Schefter reported today, Ryan, that uh, Geno Smith's going to get his, they're going to pick up his, uh, so he's going to get the $12.7 million in his contract that's set to be like fully guaranteed, right? He's going to be on the roster at least to that point. I feel like to me when this came out, it wasn't a surprise because I don't know, like, Seattle may not, they're not. Like, Seattle's not looking at Geno Smith as a long-term option at quarterback. But I don't think that they were, like, did anybody expect them to go in this season with, maybe they draft somebody, but did anybody expect them to go into the season without Geno on the roster? He was at least still a good, capable starting quarterback right now, and he's an absolute bargain at that price for what he did last year. And if you look at what Seattle's always done historically, you know, they've always kind of had that like backup option, right? Like Mm -hmm. they gave Matt Flynn quite a bit of money for Matt Flynn after one good game backing up Aaron Rodgers. And then they ended up drafting Russell Wilson, starting Russell Wilson, playing him a lot in the preseason and being like, you know what? We're going to go with him, even though we paid this guy, we're just going to go with Russell Wilson. And even with like the Drew Locke, Geno Smith situation, we all kind of thought that Drew Locke was actually going to be the starter And uh, some people were shocked when Gino won the job. So I think now you're in the perfect situation where, you know, he's a great bargain because either he's the starter for your team and he could be that bridge guy or who knows, man, even a guy where if the defense stays healthy this year, like I love the picks from last year. I love Devin Witherspoon and I like the weapons. They just have to stay healthy. New coaching staff coming in. Maybe that's the difference right there. A coaching staff, I think that could just step in and, you know, they could be ready to win right now. Um, and then let's say, though, maybe, just maybe, the right offer is there, and you could get Jaden Daniels. Or maybe, like, J.J. McCarthy's their guy. He wouldn't be oh. my guy. Then you could draft your guy, you know, go into the preseason. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams 
that would kill for Geno Smith by week four, by week five, or even by yeah. the end of the pre. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you, you know, you think like Atlanta's not making a phone call if they have to roll into a season with Desmond Ritter once again. So I think what they did was really smart here because you don't want to be in a crappy situation where you're going in there with you don't end up getting your guy. You know, you don't, you end up with like Bo Nick starting as a rookie, or you have to go with mm-hmm. I don't know one one of your backups. So I, I think it was a great move by Seattle, and I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the trade. There's an opportunity there if you do want to move him. He's a bargain for another team. He's a bargain for that team. But, you know, he's right now, the $31 million cap hit for next season is going to be 12th among quarterbacks. So that's not even – I mean, that's an absolute steal for them. And, listen, he played well, right? I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to do what he did his first year as the starter in no. Seattle. Last year there was some regression, but there was still – he was very capable – he was somebody that deserved to keep that starting job throughout the entire season. And right now, you're Seattle. You've got a lot of young talent, especially on that defense. But you're going to give yourself some level of stability at quarterback, at least for the time being. And that's a really, like, again, everybody's goal, I know, is they want to find the next Patrick Mahomes. Everybody wants that guy. There's one Tom Brady. There's one Patrick Mahomes. There's a reason why you don't find these guys very much. And when organizations do, they'll pay whatever they have to to keep them locked up forever. You don't find a lot of these quarterbacks. But to at least have stability at the position, it's why I think Kirk Cousins, we talked about this yesterday, one of the most valuable players on the market this offseason, and I think Minnesota would be stupid not to re-sign him to a short-term deal. Atlanta is going to probably want to go after him too, but to at least give yourself stability until you find somebody that maybe, if you're lucky, becomes that franchise guy. But again, we talk about this process year after year with teams. How often does it really happen to teams? Like, there's a few that have gotten lucky that the Bengals spent how many years before they got Joe Burrow, right? Like, just go down the list. Think of where the Chiefs were. Alex Smith was that guy before Patrick Mahomes. So you're you're in a really good spot. Seattle's a well-run organization. Uh, They're in a little bit of a transition, too, obviously, with a rookie head coach. So having that stability makes a ton of sense. And Seattle's in a position, if they draft well again, I mean, this team could be a real threat in the NFC West again next year. Yeah, that's the other thing, man. Like, you look at the rest of the division, and I expect the Rams to be better. I mean, that offense was the number two offense only behind San Francisco. With San Francisco, they've been healthy the last couple of years. They've had some injuries, but for these playoff runs, they've been healthy, other than Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game. That's hard to do, and it's hard to just get back, you know, to the NFC Championship game three straight years. We feel good about the Rams, but for Seattle, they have a team. They have DK. They have that run game. And, you know, like, who knows, though? Maybe they'll find a way to end up with Jaden Daniels and then Geno's elsewhere, but there's definitely going to be a spot for Geno Smith. I mean, look at the guys that we saw last year. Tommy DeVito, Josh Dobbs. No offense to those guys. They had a couple nice weeks, but I'll take Geno Smith over both of those guys right now and Daniel Jones, to be honest with you, too. And you got to think, I mean, you talk about some of these quarterbacks that were out there. I mean, we had a monster number of backup quarterbacks and third stringers and just a bunch of randoms out there. So more value than ever to a backup quarterback. TNT's Tarek El-Bashir takes us around some hockey futures next. Bet MGM tonight. Now back to Bet MGM tonight on the BetQL Network presented by Bet MGM. You know, Ryan, I know we dig ourselves deep into the NFL season and you college football. Me, some college football, but not as much as you as well. But once it once it wraps up, that's when you start exploring more. You mean we dabble a little bit before, but you start exploring a little bit more if you haven't already. Different avenues, more college basketball starting to ramp up. Some people are going to jump more into the NBA. It's also hockey, yeah. my friend. Hockey Horvat. 
Hockey Horvat, is it, is it starting to wake up now? Is the monster starting to rise from the ashes? It, within like the next two and a half, three weeks, you know, we'll dive in. I, uh, I like Vancouver a lot. I'm not going to lie. I've been watching a little Vancouver. I've been watching a little uh, mm-hmm. Dallas, a little bit of Florida, you know. Um, it's the good thing is uh, I got the package somehow for free, which is, well, actually, I probably shouldn't say that because I don't know that anybody anybody knows this. But, yeah, I've been able to just watch some <laughs> late night doing? hockey, watch, watch some replays. <laughs> I think it's part of just this big package I signed up for when I moved on from uh, direct TV. Yeah. I got the illegal, I got the illegal cable. It's like Seinfeld. When, you know, when Kramer has his guys go to Jerry's apartment, I'm going to have the FBI come over, but yeah, I, I like watching the condensed games, just watching like the highlights because um, man, these mornings come early, these nights, you know, my son, I love him. He's in the next room. We're up uh, bright and early these days, like 6 a.m., but we don't want to go to bed, unfortunately. Oh, well, you need to tell him he needs to go to bed because, you know, we need you to be fully focused for our show that goes till 11 o'clock Eastern. So that's just, that's kind of how this damn thing goes. All right, speaking of hockey, Tark El Bashir, rinkside reporter for TNT, also long time covering the Capitals in D.C. as well. But I want to start with those Canucks, Tark. Uh, right now, the favorite to win the President's Trophy. Uh, Boston and Dallas are right up near that top of the board as well. But right now, in terms of just your surprise, where are you on Vancouver in the season they've had so far? You know, uh, Nick, I, I'm a little surprised. Um, you know, it's a big turnaround from last year. Uh, in, in hockey, you don't normally see those those massive turnarounds the way you might see in other sports. Um, you know, it, it, it takes more than, than, you know, acquiring two good players in the offseason usually to turn a season around. Um, you know, that said, they've always had the horses. They just seem to underachieve for long stretches, uh, even for, for uh, multiple seasons. Uh, it, it just seems like they've finally kind of found their game. And um, I think you got to uh, tip your cap to, to uh, the coaching staff that are doing an outstanding job, um, Coach Tockett. And, you know, just saw them in D.C. the other day. They, uh, you know, the Caps played them tough, but, man, they are a good team, especially when Demko is on. When Demko's on, they are a tough out. How do you feel about the New Jersey Devils? You know, they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, how do you feel about them in the long run? Do you think that maybe they could be a team that could win a playoff series, at least get into the postseason? You know, that's a great question. I, I, I'm very um, suspect of their goaltending. And, um, you know, goaltending – plays an outsized role in determining the outcome of games in the second half of the season and going into the playoffs. And I just don't think it's been good enough. Um, They've got some star players. I mean, you know, led by Jack Hughes. I mean, some electric offensive players, uh, pretty good defense, uh, well coached. I would say they're probably a year away from being a legit Stanley Cup contender. But when you got the firepower that they do, I mean, you know, if 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 the if the goalies can can figure it out, I, I think there's a chance they'll make a run. But just deep down, I feel like that young core is a year away from from making some noise in the playoffs. So Tarek Ryan here is a Blackhawks fan. He's a Chicago guy through and through. Connor Bedard looks like yep. the reports are he's going to be coming back tonight uh, against Pittsburgh. Yep. When it comes to the rookie of the year race, has he? miss too much time at all where that could affect him or is this just one of those things where that's not even going to matter when it comes to winning rookie of the year you know i don't think so i mean i i do get a vote um i I haven't really started looking 
at um, uh, awards. It's still too far away from, from that last two weeks of the regular season. But I'll tell you, I've seen in person all of the good ones. Uh, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli. I've seen Connor Bedard. And Bedard just, he's different. He, he plays different. I mean, no, no knock on the other guys who are also having outstanding rookie campaigns. Um, Bedard is going to be not just a star, but he's going to be a superstar. He might even be a transcendent star. Um, he has missed a lot of time, but I would say I've probably watched him live once or twice and definitely on the tube um, at least four or five times. And um, I, I, he's, he's most likely going to get my vote, especially if he comes back and he picks up where he, he left off. Because, uh, guys, also remember, he's doing what he's doing on a – really bad Chicago team. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, I mean, a, a team that is designed to be bad um, no. uh, because, you know, they are in full rebuild mode. So for him to be doing that with the guys who are around him, you know, in hockey, when, when you're, when you're that top tier guy and there's not much around you, as you guys know, the other teams can really key in, key in on you. You're, you're getting top pair defensemen. You're getting the top checking line uh, every single shift. So if you're still producing as an 18 year old, at that level, I, I I would say right now he's probably got my vote. Yeah, no offense taken. Out, can... I actually, <laughs> I disowned them actually for a couple of years. No, not not because of how bad the product's been on us. <laughs> what I wanted to ask, what I wanted to ask you about was actually the trade deadline. I know we got some time. It's only February fifteenth. It's coming up March eighth. But like last season, we just had so many big names, uh, or at least bigger names: Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane got moved. Um, what kind of names, like who do you think is going to get moved? Who would be some of the bigger names and maybe the more aggressive teams uh, at the trade deadline coming up here in the next month? You know, guys, getting back to what I said before about goaltending and the role it plays this time of year down the stretch into the playoffs, I feel like there are some really, really good teams out there that could probably either use a number one, and number ones are really, really hard to find. Um, at the trade deadline, but, you know, I'm thinking about New Jersey. We just talked about them. You know, I'm thinking about Edmonton. I'm thinking about uh, Toronto. I mean, th- those, are, those are teams that may or may not be in the market for, to, to, to shore up their, their goaltending uh, department. Um, you, you know, one, one trend that has really kind of caught my eye in recent years is I feel like we're starting to see more and more general managers are making the moves before the deadline and and sometimes several weeks before the deadline they're trying to set their teams up for success they're trying to give their new players as much time as they can get um before the you know you get into those last 15 uh 10 games going into the playoffs um you know i as as nick said i i cover the washington capitals um that's a team that i think Unless they really turn things around, they've lost eight of nine. Um, they've actually played pretty well, but look, moral victories don't count for a whole lot right now. Um, they've got some guys that are already starting to kind of um, uh, make some waves on on the rumor circuit. Nick Dowd, uh, fourth line center, can win faceoffs, can score goals. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to show some interest in, in Nick Dowd as we get closer. Anthony Mantha. Uh, is another player on the Capitals who is um, going. He's in the final year of his contract. Uh, you know, he's, he's been up and down since he came to the Capitals a couple of years back. He's having a good season. He's a big body, six foot five, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Um, I think he's going to get a lot of attention. 
Uh, Max Pacioretty is another player that I think uh, on the Capitals who's going to get some attention. We've already seen Joel Edmondson, a big, tough defenseman on the Capitals. He's already starting to get um, bandied about on, on the trade uh, trade rumor circuit. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I know my team the best, and I think that if they don't turn things around, I think we could see a sell-off from the Capitals kind of in line with what we saw last year when they flipped Lars Eller and Garnet Hathaway and um, Dmitry Orloff. Um, the Capitals were probably the most significant seller at the deadline last year, in my opinion. I think there's a decent chance they will have that crown once again this year. Got to say, it was weird last year, Tark, to see the Caps as sellers. It's going to be weird if that's the case again. But as we've learned in sports anywhere, all great eras, you know, guys get older and you have to start making those decisions and start looking towards the future when it comes to that. That's right. Uh, talking to Tarek El- Elbashir, Bet MGM tonight. I want to go back to something you said. It's not really something you said, but you mentioned that obviously that you're a voter for the awards market, like Rookie of the Year and those types of things. We talk about that a lot on the show because so much of that, if, I mean, it, you can be looking at it from a betting perspective, but you can also just be looking at it from a fan perspective. Who you think is going to win, you know, MVP? Who you think is going to win a Rookie of the Year? And again, I'm talking every sport across the board. I know voters are all different, but when do you specifically start to really dig in? And I mean, you're gathering information, you're watching games, you're seeing all these players, but when do you really start to get serious about, okay, here's when I'm going to start deciding on who I'm going to vote for for these awards? Yeah, Nick, that's a great question. Um, so I'm in a little bit of a unique position um, as a sports writer who also does some broadcasting because of my role with TNT. I get to see a lot more than just the team that I cover. Um, you know, I would say once every, once a month, once every couple of months, I'm I'm off on the road and I'm doing I'm covering two teams that aren't the Capitals. So I get to see and I get to talk. More importantly, I get to talk to other general managers and other assistant coaches and other head coaches and other star players and kind of start to feel them out a little bit. So in terms of timing, I would say with about with about two to three weeks to to go in the regular season before the ballot actually shows up in my email box, I start to kind of sketch down some names. Um, you know, I try I try to usually do five or six names in every category, maybe a few more if it's if it's tight. And then I have a kind of, I have kind of a group of of people that I've covered over the years that I know watch the Western Conference maybe a little bit more than I do. I try to watch as much hockey as I can throughout the year. I mean, um, like I said, I, you know, I cover the Capitals. I cover um, um, other teams for TNT. I know you guys aren't in my house, but hockey is on pretty much every <laughs> night until about one o'clock in the morning. So, you know, whether I'm dialed in and I'm totally studying what's going on with Anaheim, Vancouver, it's in the background. So I'm, I'm catching it. Uh, but, you know, getting back to what I was saying before, you know, I have a small group of people that, um, you know, are either currently players or coaches or managers, and I'll, I'll start bouncing ideas off them. I'll say, hey, you know, I saw this guy two or three times. He's going to be in my five. What, what, what do you think? What, what are you seeing? Um, I take it very seriously. I, I, I think most people in the Professional Hockey Writers Association take it very seriously. Um, I, and I know that because, um, you know, as we get closer, I start to hear, you know, um, guys who are, you know, uh, uh, colleagues who are struggling with decisions. <laughs> and uh, we, we kind of commiserate a little bit because, you know, it's a big deal, like you said. I mean, it's it's a big deal to the players. It's a big deal to fans. It can determine contracts. I mean, it's it's serious business, and I and I treat it as such. 
Are there any teams that are maybe up and coming? You know, I know I asked you, um, you know, a little bit earlier about the Devils. Are there any teams maybe that like are up and coming that you could see maybe making a playoff push that nobody's talking about, especially if people are just jumping into hockey now after NFL season? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there are a handful of teams that have kind of surprised me this year. I mean, I would say yeah. among them are uh, the the Flyers. I mean, where do they come from? I mean, John Tortorella is doing an outstanding job with that team. Um you know that they play the game the right way. That they they play the game tough. I mean, I um, that they are uh, uh, kind of in the likeness of their coach, hard nosed. You know, and and I could I could definitely see I could definitely see them if if they get in and they're in position right now. If they get in, I could see them make some noise. Um, that's really one of the teams that I'm that I'm focused on. Uh, you know, I would say in the Western Conference. Um, the LA Kings would scare me a little bit if I'm a top seeded team. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've seen them. They've had some goaltending struggles, but they've got a great lineup. They've got some veterans who are hungry to win again. You know, um, um, Anze Kopitar and uh, Drew Doughty. I mean, they've got some really good players still who are kind of in their mid thirties, and this is, you know, maybe their last kick at the can. And I, I think they're going to be they're going to be desperate. So, you know, I would say those are two teams that have really caught my eye this year. Tarek, got about 90 seconds or so here. Uh, team that you are most confident in winning the Stanley Cup this year? The team right now that looks the most like a Stanley Cup champion? Wow. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, the Capitals just whooped Boston in Boston last week, which kind of opened my eyes. But I, I feel like I've watched the Bruins a lot this year. And I think maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, knowing that a struggling Capitals team was coming into town. The Bruins, top to bottom, just look like a team that's primed to win. They got great goaltending in Jeremy Swayman. They, you know, they got guys who've won it before. Um, uh, I, I, I would say they, they, are, they would be my pick right now to win the Stanley Cup. And the Bruins, the third shortest odds behind the Oilers and Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. Tarek El-Bashir, TNT, Monumental. Great to talk to you again, man. One of the best in the business. Great to hear from you. Yeah, give me a call anytime, guys. Man, I love him. I love Tarek, man. Ryan, he's been covering caps for a long, long time. Here's the big thing that stood out to me, though. Hearing the process, and I'm so glad I got to ask him this, hearing the process of how, like, he, because again, everybody's going to be different. He takes everything he does. This is why I want to hear, this is going to be an extreme. He takes everything he does very, very seriously. I'm sure there are some voters out there for these awards that don't take it as seriously as he does. But it's just yeah. interesting to kind of get an idea because how often do we talk about the awards market? Well, now yeah. you've got at least a little insight on how somebody thinks and when that process starts and how that process finishes up. Absolutely. Yeah, the two teams that he like he brought up the Flyers, the other team I was looking at, maybe the Devils, you know, he said maybe a year away, but they're even money now. Minus 115 actually in some spots just to make the playoffs. Uh, I could have got plus money a couple weeks ago. So probably a stay away, but yeah, this is when I uh this is when it gets fun. NBA and NHL. Bet MGM tonight. Velo though, directing traffic. Keeps the dribble. Clock is at three. Davis top of the key. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Ryan Horvath, Nick Cashew, Lakers, a 138-122 win over the Jazz last night. And then you got the Clippers with that big comeback in the fourth quarter over the Warriors. Uh, L.A. basketball. 
I'll tell you what, it is. it feels like a Clippers town right now with it. But, Ryan, you know it's still not, right? You understand that no matter what, the Lakers are still the big draw because they can miss the playoffs, and all the conversation is going to be about is LeBron James going to come back to the Lakers next year? It's just it's just how it's going to go. I'm with you. The Clippers are clearly the better team. It should be a Clippers town for now, but that's why branding is so damn important. Does that change, though, if the Clippers raise the banner next season? If they come home with the NBA championship, they win the finals this year. Don't you think that changes a little bit? I mean, it's not like – it's a pretty fun team, right? You have James Harden. You have Kawhi Leonard. You have Paul George. You have a bunch of marketable superstars. Sure, not everybody loves those three guys. But don't you mm-hmm. think that changes? Because L.A. is also a bandwagon town. We got to remember that, too. It's kind of what have you done it for is. me lately. Other than UCLA. Like, no matter what UCLA does, UCLA, UCLA football especially – Nobody will ever care. They play in the Rose Bowl. Nobody knows how to get in and out of there. Um, So nobody will ever care about UCLA. Chip Kelly couldn't get people to care about UCLA football. But I feel like if the Clippers are in the NBA Finals, all the stars will show up. It's kind of like really quick. It reminds me of when the – because everybody wanted to be a Cubs fan. You know, that's where you would see Mm -hmm. all the celebrities uh, that actually cared. You know, Bill Murray. um, And all of a sudden, John Cusack, right? Everybody, lifelong Cub fan. You see him at Wrigley Field, the lovable losers hanging out in the bleachers. All of a sudden, though, the White Sox are relevant for the first time in forever in the early 2000s. And John Cusack's there, World Series in a Chicago White Sox hat. That's how it's going to yeah. go down. You're going to see Jack Nicholson. You're going to see all the Lakers. No, no, you won't. Yep. No, That's you won't. That's how it is. It's called the bandwagon. <laughs> what else are they going to do, man? You got to go. Listen. You got to go watch basketball you- somewhere. You'll see plenty of stars, plenty of celebrities that just like to show up to Lakers games that, yes, will show up to Clippers games. But the real diehard Lakers fans, even if the Clippers win an NBA title, will point up to the rafters, Ryan, and they'll say, you got 16 to go, little brother. You got 16 banners to go. Long way off. But what's interesting about where the Clippers are right now is, you know, they're about to move into a new arena. They've got their three-headed monster. They Plus Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, some really key plays last night, a couple of offensive rebounds, that put-back dunk that he had, where you have this massive comeback against the Warriors. And I get it. Like, the Warriors aren't the Warriors anymore, right? Steph Curry called them average when it was all said and done. They've gotten much better defensively now. But when you watch what the Clippers were able to do last night, I see a team that's got poise, resiliency. I see some chemistry there now. It's not just winning because of talent, like Kawhi Leonard talked about before. But you do need Kawhi healthy. And whether or not he plays in the All-Star game is still up in the air. And you need them healthy for the second half of the season as well. They can put that thing together. The more and more I watch this team play, man, you were in on it early. But every time you bet on any of these secondary L.A. teams, you always end up sad and upset that you did it. This may be different. Now, do I think that they can get through the Nuggets if they're healthy? I would still take the Nuggets. And if it's Western Conference Finals between the Nuggets and the Clippers, the Nuggets are going to be the favorites in that series. But the Clippers are really good. And the Clippers have a coach that's won an NBA title. And they've got Kawhi, who's won multiple finals MVPs. So they've got experience there. And hell, we've watched Kawhi put a Toronto Raptors team on his back, throw them over like they're mid- middle of the Sahara Desert, and he's just dragging people along. That whole Raptors team finally figured it out once they got to the finals. But they've got all the pieces, man. They are a legit contender. They are a real team. And the parts fit. 
and the really important thing here too, and it's been so much about James Harden and what he's been able to do and kind of how he's changed his role, though he really did this with the Nets as more of a facilitator that can score. Like he's kind of altered his game a little bit. The big thing here is Russell Westbrook. Yeah. What he is now fit in in terms of his role with the Clippers, he's comfortable with it. He's accepted it. They've gotten all of this put together. He's getting the important minutes when they need it. And again, some key offensive boards last night, hustle plays, those simple things. He's able to do that and occasionally go off for, you know, 18, 19 points or something along those lines and shoot the ball relatively well and play efficiently. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that they have what looks like a true contender now with the Clippers. Yeah, man, and I love having the 18 to 1 price, especially when you look at the price mm -hmm. today. And see, that's what I always try to do, though, is, and unfortunately, like, we buy into teams a little bit too early. Like, last year, the Orlando Magic. Hell, maybe even this year, the Orlando Magic. But that's, like, for example, why I just asked about the New Jersey Devils, because Jack Hughes came back to the lineup since the All-Star break. I think they're 3-1-1. One, and one. I might be wrong there. And mm -hmm. I believe they're two points out of the second wild card spot. So I'm just looking at, like, future prices, and that's why – Last year, I would always ask the insiders. I'd be like, all right, I know the Clippers are pretty much cooked this season because of injuries, but, like, did they just blow this thing up or do they run it back? And everybody had the same answer, man. You know, like, no, they're going to run it back and they're going to be aggressive. And they were aggressive. And I know, you know, the James Harden thing didn't look great at first, but now it looks really good. And you brought up Russ. I love this role for Russ. And I love that Russ, even if he doesn't fully embrace it, I mean, it looks like he's embracing it right now. Um, and the Clippers just have so many different options. That's what I love about this team. One night it could be Paul George's night. One night it could be Kawhi's. But when we get to the playoffs, the best part about both of those guys is they both play defense too, or at least are willing to play defense. And Kawhi, like this is the best version we've ever, not the best version maybe we've ever seen of Kawhi, but it's the best since he's been healthy. All of a sudden he's developed that three-point shot. There's a reason why they just paid him and extended him, right? I mean, like he looks yeah. really healthy right now and the Clippers are scary. And if you look at the West, I think they match up really well with all these teams. These young teams like Minnesota, um, obviously OKC. I, the big concern would be Denver. You know, and give me that. Give me seven games of that. Give me that yeah. playoff series. Oh. But if anybody's going to compete with Denver, I think it's them because Paul George and Kawhi are both able to go off for 30, 40 points in a playoff game. I know Jokic and Jamal Murray are. And then it's going to come down to which role players play better. And that's where it's like, okay, well, what do we get from James Harden? Do we get the good James Harden and Russ Westbrook? Or do we get that disasters, the disasters that we've seen from both of them the last couple of years in the playoffs? Because the Nuggets guys all stepped up and actually performed. That was my concern with them last year. But Aaron Gordon was great. Michael Porter Jr. had his moments. And I like their other guys this year. You love the Celtics, I know. You love the Clippers oh, yeah. now. At BetMGM. Clippers beat Celtics NBA Finals or Celtics beat Clippers NBA Finals. Same price, 11 to 1. Yeah, I like it. I would go Boston over LA still. I do think it's yep. – imagine that Boston LA, but it's not the Lakers and the oh. Celtics. It's the Clippers Celtics and nobody cares. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I just – it's just – but do we fully trust – it's, it's, it's easier almost to trust the Clippers because we saw mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard be the best player in a championship series twice. In San Antonio, oh, that yeah. last, that you know, like he, he was the best player. Um, and then obviously in Toronto. 
In the finals, Kevin Durant only played one half of basketball, looked really damn good. I know yeah. the Warriors were dealing with a bunch of injuries, but Kawhi was probably the best player throughout that whole run. So it's easier almost to trust them if they're fully healthy than it is Boston just because, you know, they got there a couple of years ago. Last year, they couldn't get past the heat. It just, there's always something, but this is a completely different team. And now you have Drew Holiday, who's, what do you, what do you think? Who would you rather have, Drew Holiday or Marcus mm-hmm. Smart? Marcus Smart's younger. Drew Holiday, without question. Because okay. Drew, Marcus Smart is such a li- Marcus Smart is such a liability offensively. Obviously, tough guy, great defender. Drew Holiday is still one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. I understand what Jimmy Butler did to him last year. Eventually, a great defender that is up against a great offensive player at some point in their career is going to get cooked. It's just how this thing works because these offensive players are just that talented. And Jimmy Butler turns that thing up a notch, as we know, maybe a couple of notches once you get to the playoffs. Drew Holiday, it's like it's not even a question to me. You know, it's funny when you say like, oh, it'd be Clippers and Celtics and no one would care. Maybe the Clippers should just change their name. Like they're going to a new arena. Why don't you just change the name? Let's come up with a new name for them. I don't know what it's going to be. So we take the stigma off the name Clippers because this is a totally different organization, a totally different team than what we've had before. And we watch really when they're healthy, man. I mean, again, they're legit. Meanwhile, though, you mentioned this yesterday. And everybody on social media, I've had this, you've had this. They get so upset when we talk about the potential of Bronny and LeBron James playing together in L.A. Here's how we know LeBron James is bigger than those Lakers. The Athletic has reported that the Lakers and high-ranking officials are willing to explore the idea of adding Bronny James next season. It's going to happen. They will do whatever it takes for LeBron James to stay in Los Angeles because if LeBron leaves the Lakers and goes back to Cleveland to finish his, his career, the guy that was my ultimate conspiracy theory. Go back there, again, At that point, he's made so much money, veteran minimum. Let's say he goes to a mid-level exception, whatever. Let's say LeBron just decides, I don't even want this money. I'm a billionaire. I'm not saying that's smart business. I'm just saying, what if? And Cleveland can get Bronny there. And the Lakers are sitting around going, Clippers are in the finals. And we're looking around like John Travolta just staring at the walls going, where, what, like what's left? They have nothing. The Lakers will do whatever they can to keep LeBron James and stay relevant. That's why anybody out there that says, oh, well, Bronny's not even going to be an NBA player. It doesn't matter because LeBron James is his dad. Understand that. He's averaging five points per game at USC, which is just wild. So let me ask you this, though. Do they have to draft Bronny James or are they able to just like, okay, maybe a second round pick? Or are they able to just pick him up off the street? Because how funny would it be? if there was like a rival or a team that just really hated LeBron and they were just like, you know what? We're in good position. We're going to punt the pick. And they just drafted Bronny and they're like, you want Bronny? What are you willing to give up? And it was like the movie ransom. He had to call like Mel Gibson, give me back my son, you know, and and Boston's holding on to him. You got to come play here. LeBron. (laughs) That would be absolutely amazing. If it became an actual, just arms race to try and get, what you can get Bronny. for Bronny James, knowing that there's no actual value on the court. It's the value of LeBron James and what you can get. And maybe he comes and plays for you. It'd be wild if that went down. Uh, I, I don't know what the situation would be in terms. I know that the rules, at least in the past, have been if a player enters the draft, doesn't get drafted at all, you can go sign as a free agent. So maybe he enters right. the draft, no teams draft him, or the Lakers take him in the second round, and they sign him as a free agent, and then there you go. That'd be just... 
I'm telling you, like people, I, I don't care whether he's an NBA prospect or not. The Gnosis shouldn't be on the the Bucks, but he still is. Ben exactly. Hosey on the night. Exactly. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.